We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Just kidding. That's not the design of the back. Let us show it to you for real. Sorry. <laughs> That's your open right there. <laughs> That's your open. Uh, hi. Well, happy Friday. We are talking about the Corvette C8. It has just been revealed, and now we are recording a podcast. We stayed up late for this one, Everybody's folks, talking about but it. But everybody's talking about it. We, we want to make sure that all of you know that the Utah meetup is coming at us very quickly. Yeah, yeah it is. We're, it's going to be here, and we're hoping you can make it. Come for any and all of it. Come mm-hmm. for just one of the events. Totally fine, or join us for all of it. We're going to be doing hiking, mountain biking. We're going to be doing a track day at the uh, Utah Motorsports Campus. Fantastic road tours through NASA. happening. Many of you are flying in and renting Turo cars, and we've got those discussions coming up. That's going to be really, really cool. That's the first weekend of August. But prior to that, hmm. we just keep packing stuff into the schedule. Why not? We just put more things into the schedule. Bring prior it. to that, we're going to be in Seattle seeing our friends Grios, and we will keep you informed on this. We're going to do a live stream podcast. You're actually going to be able to see us this time. Yeah. No kidding. We're going to be recording a podcast. It's going to be what? That that's that Monday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Monday, the twenty. What is it? Have well, we look. have to look at a calendar. We were not prepared to actually tell you a date. That was not good. <laughs> no, it's actually going to be Monday, the 29th of, uh, of July. Yes. We will be actually at Griot's location. It'll be about five or six o'clock. We will lock in the time when we get closer. We've literally just confirmed this with them, which is why this is brand new news, and we clearly didn't even know the date. But it is Monday the 29th. <laughs> that evening, we're going to do a live stream video. It will be on the Griot's channel of us with Nick from, from Griot's. Yeah. And we'll yeah, talk yeah. about all kinds of stuff. We'll probably take a ton of questions because it'll be a live stream. And then that will launch the next day, that Tuesday the 30th that will be the podcast for uh, for that Tuesday but it's going to be a live stream which is going to be very different and really cool all right so we've got some more cars to talk about here you brought up the point that this car has been revealed now mm-hmm. and it looks an awful lot like the renders yeah i i well first of all the corvette has been revealed so this is a good thing we've yes. been waiting for the new corvette well, right I, I, Let, sorry. let's start on a positive note there, you always want to give there's plenty when, of positive when you're giving notes criticism here. you start there's, with a positive <laughs> note you start with the positives when you're dressing somebody down or you know happy friday this is your you know friday I mean? rant we, you knew we were gonna <laughs> we rant. always start with the we positives. always rant when we watch these reveals too then you move to the constructive criticism and then you <laughs> really rant about it and then so the ranting and chewing the seed we were gonna do all the way above yeah there's a process all right so the good news is is a new Corvette. And it's mid-engine, It's finally. mid-engine, and yes. yes. You and I, I were like talking that. about two things, and I don't say this to, to elevate ourselves here, but it was very funny because you and I were sitting here watching this wondering, genuinely wondering, who in the room, including who at GM, has actually driven every generation? Because they kept showing all of these generations go by, and I, kept, <laughs> I started to have that thought of, who's driven every generation? I'm thrilled oh. that we were able to for American Original. Yes. And yes. then somebody, one of the many executives that walked up, one of the early ones, I'm sorry, I forgot his name, but I don't have it in front of me, but his script felt lifted from our film. It kind of did in I a was weird like, way. This is weird. Look, this is really strange. They do all their research. Of but, course they hey, did. Whatever. And I'm sure they did the same research we did. I mean, but, but it was, have, the story yeah. is the story, but there were parts of it where exactly. I was like, exactly. did, did you see an American original? I mean, I hope you have, but anyways, <laughs> I'm thrilled there's a C8. I'm thrilled that we've driven all the generations and now we can drive at some point the C8, which nobody's driven yet. This was the big dog and pony show reveal 
and I'm sure you listening have many thoughts, and I know you're shocked to hear that we have thoughts too. <laughs> All right. I love that they have put the development time into this, and Agreed. I keep thinking as we're watching the reveal, which I'm sure will be reposted, everybody can go look at the stats and specs. We're not going to name everything here. We'll touch on a few, but they have thought about track time. Imagine this, you know, running the endurance challenge races. Imagine, you know, all the things where Corvettes are used yep. and raced and need to shine, yep. and they need to be better than the last generation. But also uh, okay. thought about road trips and groceries and storage and well, this is what I'm getting at. All this kind of stuff. I don't think any other car has such an importance or a list of things that it needs to hit. Interesting point. Besides a Corvette, because Interesting point. you and I are talking about, well, gee, the Porsche 918 Spider did that, or the 4 GT looks better and it came out with different technology. It's more expensive. Or and name another ha- McLaren. And, and, and name and other cars. While we're there, the 4 GT has the storage space of a small backpack. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, you so know, for for what the car is, I mean, starting with Corvettes were always affordable. They just they have to be accessible to enthusiasts. Yeah. yeah. You know, the cars we're talking about are millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're out. And then you know, just the change of the platform itself, mm-hmm. such a big deal. So mm-hmm. every time I think of a well, that car is better, I come back to the requirements list that GM must have had You're in right. front of them. You're right. And I think, okay, okay, so as a compromise, they did pretty good there. Let's start with the architecture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still, well, it's still the aluminum, it's still fiberglass and resin, and it's still a V8. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of like, I, I wanted it to be future tech. I wanted it to be some sort of electrification. I wanted it to push boundaries. I wanted them to bring all they've learned about the Chevy Volt and the Bolt mm. and bring the noise and really bring something totally unexpected. But they didn't. They brought out a mid-engine V8 car that actually is probably going to be pretty great to drive. I'm really excited to drive it. I think so, yeah. But it just seems like they started with the basics. They came back with just the basic recipe that we all could have predicted. And unfortunately, the internet has ruined the surprise. You're right, actually. You were talking about this. They yeah. rolled it out, and mm-hmm. I thought, uh, and maybe it is because of all the renderings, and frankly, some of the renderings I like better than what the actual car is. <laughs> That's a, not a good thing. But they rolled the car out, and I thought, oh, that just looks dated already, and it, uh, man, I'm, I'm disappointed. Maybe it's because I've been seeing it so much, and thank goodness they brought it out now, unlike you know the Acura NSX. Well, It was just a big deflated balloon, and hey, hey the new NSX. Well, and, think about the fact that the, the auto show, I forget which auto show it was, but the auto show where the NSX was revealed, everybody kind of went, wah, wah, and across the show, Ford drops the new GT that nobody had seen or even knew was in existence. Yeah. And it's great looking besides. But I mean, this is the problem with these long gestating cars that we are, we as the as the public know about. Mm-hmm. By the time we mm-hmm. finally get to this place, we kind of go, yeah, uh huh, yeah. It's really hard to combat that. I am ecstatic that this car exists. I am ecstatic that it is mid-engine. I, I, yeah. Watch yeah. our American original film. We talk about the progression that leads them to kind of have to do this now. I'm thrilled that they did. I think it does maintain some Corvette look, which is great. I am astonished, like you said. I am astonished that they are worried about everything they're worried about. I mean, come on. Corvette has always been this sports car that also, by the way, gets good gas mileage. Who else is even worrying about that unless they're making a a, a showcase hybrid? They're not. Right. So decent gas mileage on a road trip carries your multiple golf bags because – Apparently, people do that, but also carries the roof in in the rear trunk. I mean, I yeah. actually think that yeah. contributed to my number one critique of the look of this car. 
I actually okay. have decided watching it spin on the turntable. Now, look, we haven't seen it in person. That changes things. It always does. It always does. But I think I like it from every single angle except straight from the back. I genuinely hate it. I'm tr- really trying to figure out why, though. I'm really trying to put my finger on the it, exact reason. I think it looks too tall and too pinched, and the taillights are Camaro. They are. Because here's what happened. The front is a blazer. Well, the front I mean, is the front has got Chevy design cues, but absolutely. it still says Corvette. The back just says Camaro to me. And this happened a couple generations ago where the Camaro's taillights, one of the first Camaro actually you and I ever shot for the show, the, the Camaro's taillights for a little while were circles with the tops chopped off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we knew actually that the designers were told – Take the Corvette lights and make them for Camaro. And so they chopped the tops <laughs> yeah. off. Well, then what happened the next gen uh, Corvette? They took the Camaro idea and they developed it for the Corvette. And now the C8 has got what looks like the current latest refresh Camaro lights stuck on the back of the Corvette. This is an opportunity to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And that is a place where I just see, well, it has to look like everything else we make. And I think the back has been ruined by that, hmm. genuinely. I like. I even like – here's the thing. If you just tilt it a little bit off of straight on the back, you give me a rear three-quarter, it still works. I'm still seeing the rear, hmm. but that straight back view I think is ugly, and the rest of the car I think is working. And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. I still want to drive one like crazy. I still oh, think they're going to look amazing in motion. I like it better in blue than the red that they were showing off. I think the blue looks fantastic. Yeah, I also yeah. think wheels that are not black help it too. I agree. I'm fully on board with that. Well, as we're discussing, and I know everybody's going to dissect this car endlessly, other cars get a pass. Mm. The 4GT, all the ones we've named, the McLarens, any mid-engine, Caymans, Elises get a pass in Fair. in many Fair. categories. Fair. This car gets no reprieve, no passes right. from anybody right. from the interior. <laughs> right. Look at the interior. Mm-hmm. I, I have my beef with the interior the the line of buttons and I think it's cool the wall that will exist between you and the passenger that ah, I'm not a fan again I have to drive it but getting back to this requirements mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this without having driven it yet the the Corvette the Corvette the car it, it is a car called the Corvette the, the Corvette. Corvette the car is so compromised it's actually a winner. It's so compromised in so many categories. Ro- you know, just road trips. Mm-hmm. Think about what buyers of Corvettes use them for. They yeah. just cruise sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're You're not right. tracking them. Right. They're not yeah. hustling them. Yeah. Or, you know, track time or drivability or cargo or sound or name a category. Well, yes. But- and they've they've touched on it. They've addressed they've it. They've addressed them all. And they've, yes. they've done such a good job and... I mean, stuff has to go. They totally the car has to match the current lineup. It's a. I wish it were yeah. more futuristic looking. I wish it were pushed further. I wish it were a total clean slate because it is a clean slate. It's a brand yeah, new it's, chassis. It's the only time they'll brand ever get to platform. do a completely clean slate. Let's go on nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, they pulled it way back. So in every category, and there's there's probably hundreds of categories mm, to mm-hmm. deal with. It's so overcompromised. It actually succeeds because it still does. It still checks the box. It's a, that is quite an accomplishment. Good or bad, I mean, think it about, still does it. Think about how few cars have on their same must-do build sheet. Same sheet. Great on the track. Mm-hmm. 
great to drive cross-country with good gas mileage. Those are completely antithetical. Those are the bookends of car design right there. (laughs) And the Corvette is accomplishing both because it's been told it has to. I'm shocked they pulled it off, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't couldn't want to drive this more. I'm actually glad to have not been at the reveal because I don't want to stand near it and not get to drive it. That drives me nuts. That's the place I've reached now. I'm I'm that spoiled. But honestly, I also have to say, you and I have been debating this. I'm thrilled it has a V8. I wish it had a manual transmission, Mm. but but that doesn't surprise me. Considering the current market, I'm not surprised it doesn't have a manual. I wish it would. I'm not surprised. So that one, I don't like it, but I'm willing to let it go because I see the handwriting on the wall. But if this didn't have a V8, everybody would lose their mind. Would they? I think the so. The GT does not have a V8. And that's been a big thing that everybody has complained about. It's the holy grail. When that one rolls up to the car show, people bow down to that yes, car. Yes, but that car also has a very different history than Corvette. It does. Very true. Very I mean, true. this this it would be the exact same as the 911 no, has, no longer has a flat six. It would be the exact same change. That day's coming. I'm sure that day's coming. And can you imagine the freakout that happens when the 911 yeah. doesn't have a flat six anymore? Yeah. This is a Corvette with a naturally aspirated 6.2 liter V8. You can argue, and you can rightly argue, shouldn't we have gone different and modern? Yes. But from a historical perspective, that the longest running sports car, I mean, watch our film. I can't, I'm, I'm like quoting the film here. But, but <laughs> yeah. longest running sports car, yeah. it's been a V8 since the beginning. I mean, they had that, that six briefly and went, what have we done? And then they put a V8 in and it's been V8s ever since. If they'd gone away from that, that is, would be an even bigger problem than we are no, not offering a manual. I'm, I wish there was a manual. I look at the cockpit and I go, of course it's not a manual. And I like the cockpit, except sure. for the weird canted screen, which yeah. looks, like they, looks like somebody had a day where there's like, Screw it. We got to put a screen in here. But I, I don't. And they mind. Literally, literally screwed it on. I, I don't mind the wall yeah. of buttons. I, I, they've made a car uh, for the driver, and I am okay with that. Sure, you can you can do that without making this line, this stack of buttons. You can okay. you can make it driver focused. Okay. I, I bet you there were designs submitted, but I the V eight is a compromise. If they had gone more tech or future technology, the car would cost more. Yeah, for sure. So let's make the current V8, it's still a 6.2, nearly 500 horsepower. Mm-hmm. It's more efficient, more power, probably runs better than any V8 they've ever built. They put yeah. a lot of effort into it. So, okay, compromise. No manual transmission, but hey, it's got an eight-speed dual, dual clutch. clutch. Yeah. Okay, that'll, you know, satisfy a lot of people, hopefully. Yeah. And well, argument can be and made speaks. in every totally. category of compromise, and it's probably so compromised, it's great. <laughs> That's an I interesting perspective. Bet you, I bet you it's great. Back to these bookends, though, if you think about it. If you are the guy that only wants to go to the track or you are the guy that only wants to drive cross-country, both of those buyers want an eight-speed dual clutch. Right. It's us. In right. the, it's the folks in the middle that want to drive kind of fast on a nice afternoon on a back road. We're the ones that want the manual. Honestly, huh. honestly, that was yeah. probably the easiest yeah. decision they made was losing the manual because probably. they were like, well, for the track people, they're going to want an eight-speed dual clutch because they can't shift as fast as that one anyway. And for the guy driving cross-country, <laughs> he just wants an automatic. We're done. I hope they documented the fights, the internal meetings, because there were probably fights. Like, well, there was the knockdown, drag out. I'm sure. No, it happened. There was the executive that said, we looked at every fastener, tube, and wire. Of course you did because accounting yes. requires it. That's not unique <laughs> to Corvette. <laughs> Yeah, we're playing Mystery Science Theater. Oh, my gosh. Science Theater 3000 with the Look, I am am a NASA geek. Yes, yes. This week is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission landing on the moon. Yes. 
the astronauts liked Corvettes or in many cases were given Corvettes at very cheaply or next to nothing so that they were driving Corvettes. All of that is true. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. This is not equivalent to the moonshot. (laughs) <laughs> Even though it's very impressive. It's, it's not cool. cool. And, but if you're going to tie that together, what are you doing in California? Why was this not in one of those NASA hangars at Cape Canaveral? If you're going to go there, I agree. let's go there. I agree. Okay. Before we move on to the other supercar that was revealed this week. Oh, yeah, that. I want to introduce a new thought for us all to consider about the Corvette. Okay. I'm, ex- I'm excited about it. I in am In spite too. of my ranting, oh, I am absolutely. excited about it. I'm very excited. Really we excited. want to drive it. I believe that now with this configuration and that it 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 can answer anything you throw at it. Oh, well, it doesn't have cargo space. Well, it's got a front trunk and a mm-hmm. you know a rear trunk and yeah. name the thing. Mm-hmm. I bet you this Corvette will now be open and compete actually against more cars than any prior Corvette ever did hmm. in terms of what it can be compared to. It can Probably, be compared yeah. to still 911s. It can be compared to Caymans and McLarens. It can be mm-hmm, compared to mm-hmm. higher-end cars that yeah, have that yeah, yeah. supercar, you know, air quotes, configuration. Yeah. It can be compared to, you know, from a price standpoint, hey, you want to step up just a little bit? And, mm-hmm. hey, the Corvette's not too much more expensive than they were before. Yeah, I'll bet you this new design actually opens up m- more places for it to compete so. against as a, a rational decision. They've sweated it. They've clearly sweated clearly. it. Clearly, the design is a is a bit. The design is not quite unique enough for me. I would like I it to be that. more. I agree with that. Just go go a little nuts with the Corvette mid engine. Be you've got to be kidding, and don't worry as much about this has to have a corporate look. I realize that's an idea that dies early on, and I'm sure there is a designer out there <laughs> well, that wants to send me an email about how much they fought and lost that battle. Yeah, it's still cool. And I'm thrilled they got it away from the Camaro because it needed desperately to get away from the Camaro. In it needs yeah, to be for sure, different. For it sure. needs to be very different. And there, look, we haven't heard prices yet. Maybe by the time you heard this, you've heard prices. They're they're claiming it's still going to be attainable. I think that's a flexible word when you consider the fact that the ZR1 <laughs> was already what 130 thousand dollars. So. Corvettes sure. have been very expensive. But think about what that competed against in terms yes. of power. Yes. So this base one, uh, you know, is theoretically is going to still be well under 100 grand, but we'll see where it lands. I also just had this thought. The original NSX. Yeah. One of the only issues I had with that car's design, if you look at because I really like it. If you look at it from side profile, mm-hmm. it has a huge rear overhang. The space from the from the sure. rear of the rear yeah. tire to the to the back bumper is immense, and gave it a little tiny trunk. The That's reason is because of the little tiny trunk. Yeah. I think that need for the we have to take the top off the C8 and put it in the trunk, and also that has fit golf bags, has given them a difficult <laughs> thing on the rear of the car. I think overall the proportions still work, but that's a challenge because you take some. Look yeah. at the Ferraris that this clearly looks looks referencing. Yeah. You know yeah. the um, the. Uh, 458, for example, okay? But go well, back to the 360 Modena. Even back there, you can sure. see design reference there. Sure. Those are just engine. They don't need to do anything else but have an engine back there. Yeah. And yeah. the Corvette has done an engine and then still given you a trunk. That is hard, and that makes a rear end of the car that has got to do a lot of stuff. I maintain it's so overcompromised that it actually is a winner. It came out on top <laughs> because of what it can do. Because you can all, always point to it and be like, "Well, yeah, I've got trunk space. You can take a road trip in it." Yeah. And apparently, there's more interior space, even you know, despite the photographs of it looks really tight. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they have. I'm run excited. All- it's it's meeting expectations, but I think overall, everybody's going to come away thinking. 
Wow, for what it is. And we're just looking at a base model. Think of yeah, all true. the special models true. they can now do that this this has opened up this world mm. to them for race cars and special editions and gobs of power and the wide body edition and on and on and on. I think the wow factor has been a little bit blunted by two things. By the places where it has to look connected to Chevy mm-hmm. and the fact that we've all been, quote unquote, looking at this car for six months already. More than that. More than that. No, but I think it's been close for six months. Oh, We've been looking at, for at the, renders what the final and camo is. cars yeah. and this kind of stuff where we kind of already know what it's going to be. Yeah. You contrast Again, it's the Acura versus the Ford GT thing. You contrast that with the way the Ford GT drops out of the sky. I don't know how Ford's able to f- figure that out, but they've done it now a yeah. couple times. Yeah. So the fact that they can just drop a car out of nowhere and everybody else is like, where has this been developed? Uh, the minute you start driving it at the ring, there are standard photographers that are going to take pictures of it. But this was the problem with the NSX and the Supra yeah. and a lot of these that have been developed. By the time we got to them, we were kind of like, yeah, yeah, it looks like that. And it should be like, whoa, have you seen this thing? I wish, but maybe that'll change with the driving. There's actually another car that was released this week, also in the very high-end supercar This is a whole different category. world now. Similar configuration, though. Yes. It's a mid-engine car. Well, a a mid-engine look to it. Lotus okay. is bragging again. Last time Lotus bragged, they were <laughs> the CEO was Danny Behar, who came out of Red Bull. Because, you know, it gives you wings, and now you can run a car company. Right, of course He, it does. he said Lotus was going to do five cars. They did none of those. <laughs> Just so you know. They said five cars. He was a little over-enthusiastic. They did none of those. He was a but the difference here now is Lotus, of course, is owned by Geely. Mm-hmm. They have money. They have done great things for Volvo. Yeah. They've given absolutely. Volvo all the things that Volvo needed to go be the best Volvo possible. Well, then they've stepped away. They've exactly. given them the resources exactly. and stepped back and haven't influenced Let's them. hope that's true at Lotus as well. But Lotus has thrown down with um, – sorry, it's the Evia. Okay. All right. E-V-I-J-A. All right. Which I'm sorry. I know we have to t- – like the Wyra. Pagani Wyra is another great example where you look at the word and you're like – that's not how that should be pronounced. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is the Avija, and I will probably either do that by joking or just do it by accident. <laughs> but it is the Avaya, so think Evora and Avaya. Yes, okay? yes. And uh, it's the one or whatever. But this is their what, $2 million ridiculous comma in it horsepower all-electric hypercar. Lotus has decided to skip we lease owners for a minute and just shoot for the Pagani owners of the world and then trickle back. I don't know that Lotus was ever in the category of we're making cars for everybody kind of thing. Well, but they, they're making special cars yes, from day one. Yes, they have always been that. But they, I, but I always feel like they've been more in the Porsche camp where they're a t- they're just out of reach, mm-hmm. aspirational, than in the McLaren or Ferrari camp where it's like, well, those are great, but I'm never going to touch one, let alone drive it. I feel like Lotus has been with Porsche on that. Mm-hmm. This is shooting really high when you when your entire lineup right now is the Evora 400, which, by the way, is brilliant, and the Elise, if you are anywhere but the U.S. Great cars, but both well under $100,000, and now you're doing $2 million electric this is a throwdown. I hope I hate talking about concepts. I hope it is a real, b awesome, and c is the beginning of a lineup from Lotus versus just a oh yeah you did that thing a few years back. <laughs> well, before we touch on the stats and specs of this car, let me connect the dots for you. Okay. First of all, we're in Utah. The mm. former Miller Motorsports Park was now finally purchased by My Time, which is a division of Geely. Yes. <clears throat> Geely owns Lotus. Mm-hmm. 
the Ford Performance Racing School for all the asphalt activities have now announced their relocation to North Carolina. The off-road stuff will still stay in Utah. Yeah. But that means there's there's some room now there's for no somebody school. to come yeah. in and run a performance school. Yeah, I don't know who that be. But maybe the track owners who own yeah, a wonder if the hypercar company, company bring some cars that. and a driving school out to because they own the track. And I'll be waiting yeah. at the front gate in my Lotus, going me, me, <laughs> beep, pick beep, me beep. <laughs> right yeah. here, right here. Ooh. All right. So this is the Type One Thirty. It's an all electric, all wheel drive, four electric motors. The target is to be the most powerful production car in the world, almost 2,000 horsepower. And what's so cool is the charging capabilities. The difference between this and the Corvette we just saw, well, you know, the Corvette and the Ferraris and, well, every other car has engine under glass. This has battery pack under glass. Yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. It's the other end of the spectrum of current released cars. You have the Corvette, which is a revelation in its own right but is representing where we've been, Mm -hmm. and this is where we think we're going. And, I mean, I'm back to bookends again. These are the opposite ends of the spectrum on on everything. They really are. And, yeah, 18-minute charge time with a 350-kilowatt charger. If you can find one. 250-mile range. Well, yeah. They're (laughs) even claiming an 800-kilowatt charger, but... Those don't really exist, even at the commercial level, I don't think. Yeah, I don't so, think that happens yet. I mean, that would but, just be like we're talking, filling your tank with gas. We're talking four motors, roughly 500 horsepower each, one for each wheel. Yeah. So this is a car whose single wheel is more powerful than the other cars they currently sell. So a single wheel equates, so you've got four new C8 Corvettes at, your, at each wheel. Yes, or you have more than four Evoras worth of power. You stay wow. on the same brand. Yeah, and uh, 1.7 million pounds. It's 2.1 million U.S. dollars. So we're all getting one. All of Clearly. us. We're just well, all, we're all we getting one. We yeah. can't because it's called the Type 130, and they're only building 130 of them. Yeah. Well. So, yeah, it truly is the other end. But if you have a chance to see this, the design ethos comes from uh, geological structures, interestingly enough. Sure it does. I told you, it's always car designers running to nature to find <laughs> themes because nature does it the best. Uh-huh. Look at this car very carefully. Look at the shapes, how they interact, the IP. Is actually a beam that runs that spans the car. You can it actually kind of see phenomenal. down through it. Looks phenomenal. It is amazing. Lotus has brought it, and yes, we hope to see them out here at UMC. <clears throat> Who knows? Well, but I'm just excited to hopefully see one at some point. This is in that same category that keeps bugging me, though. These are cars built for collectors to not drive, and that just that breaks my heart. Brings me back to the Corvette because again, you want something affordable. You want that Lotus. You want a McLaren. You can't afford one. Have you seen the new C8? And and here's the thing, this the C8, the, and, and I'm excited, genuinely excited about this. The C8, the first time you see one at your local cars and coffee, no one will look at any other car. They're just going to swarm that car the first time you see one. And a year later, it's going to be ignored because okay. so many people yeah. are going to buy the C8 because they can. This leads me to a great question before we uh, take a break here, and that is many of you have asked, what will happen to the values of C7s? Mm-hmm. What do we think this is going to do? Is it... Are they going to stabilize or go up because you can no longer get the front engine, rear-wheel drive Corvette? Mm. Are they going to plummet because suddenly, hey, look, an affordable mid-engine mm-hmm. kind of hot car? What do we think they're going to do? hot car, yeah. I think – sorry, what was your answer on this? No, I, I think they're going to stay about the same for the moment because the C8 is not uh, actually you know available to buy mm-hmm. at this recording. But once it does, I think they're still going to – I don't think they're going to drop like a rock for the C7s. I really don't. I think the only ones that will hold their value are the special editions. I think if you have Everything a standard go off C7 with a Z51 pack, it is going to start dropping fast. But I think if you've got a Z06 
or the ZR1 and possibly the Grand Sports, but I think Z06 and ZR1 for sure will hold their value longer because that is the the pinnacle, if you will, of what Chevrolet did with the front engine. It's mm. not the standard C7, even the Z51 pack, which makes the car worthwhile. That's not the pinnacle of what they did. It's either Z06 or ZR1, depending upon how you want to drive the car. Sure, That's the pinnacle. That's the never going to be seen again. Those will linger a bit. I think everything else drops. Well, I certainly don't think prices are on the front engine cars are going to go up. I really don't. It'll be it'll be that twenty to forty year swath that always happens with collector yeah, cars. Yeah, you know, twenty to forty years from now, they might turn around for the guy that please don't do this mothballed the car. Yeah, with right, plastic right. on the seats, and now it's uh, just a museum piece. But the rest of them, yeah, yeah. So uh, that just means for all of our listeners who are actually shopping in the you know. The lower price range for a fun sports car can now afford, we'll say, just a base Corvette. That opens up a world of possibilities for used. You realize That's, that? If, yes. they, if they do that and only special editions hang on, yeah, that opens up a world for us to go buy the, the C7 and they're truly good the cars. The C7 Z51 is a phenomenal car, <laughs> genuinely. I mean, that just, that's just great news just if they drop off a cliff. Generally. And I, I'm very excited to hear pricing on this C8. I'm ecstatic to drive it. Uh, I don't. I mean, I know why you did red with the wheels. I get it. I just don't think that's. Maybe it's just because I don't like red red enough. But I just. I thought the blue looked great. Hey, Chevy said they came out They're with twelve like colors, twelve colors, and a bunch of interior. Never options. did that before. It, it looks like I. I like the interior. I like it. I'm, I'm. I wish. Here's the thing. I wish they'd gone as. Let's start again with the exteriors that clearly did with the interior. Mm-hmm. Well, now the fun begins because we got to go decide what to put it against. Yeah, there you go. There are a couple of things. Probably one of them has the, the numbers <laughs> 911 in it. Anyway. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into Auto Tempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more. Or you can jump to AutoTrader or CarGurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. AutoTempest.com has got you covered there all at once. AutoTempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at AutoTempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease, as we are all the time, autotempest.com is your place to start. We all have a lot of to-do lists, and some of them get quite long. You know, drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea, though. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that list. And the good thing is, you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save, you've heard it before, 15% or more on your car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? This just may be the most rewarding to-do thing on your list today. Summer is finally here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. You know, the leather seats that you thought were a great idea until you scald your legs. Luckily, all you need is a custom sunscreen from our friends at Covercraft. They're awesome. They're amazing. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car and keep your car cooler when you're off enjoying the sunshine. These custom sunscreens come in a variety of colors, and they're an affordable and simple way to keep your car cooler in the summer and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. 
We swear by our custom sunscreens. I, I love it. It's one of our very favorite car accessories. Remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com. Or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're back with a very cool car debate from Bulgaria. Now, I, ha- I have this is from Peter. Peter's writing in, and I, ha- I have to kind of call him out for a second because I want to call <laughs> okay. out Americans in the process. Okay, uh, Peter, you knew who you were writing to, and that is Americans. And I hate to say this, but we are notorious as, as a country for not knowing geography of the rest of the world. And what <laughs> makes me laugh about that, because it is genuinely sad, and hopefully you know some geography if you're listening to this podcast, but, but what makes me genuinely sad and laugh about this is that Peter knew who he was writing to, Americans who may not have any idea of the rest of the globe. So he actually writes, I'm writing to you from Bulgaria, a country in Eastern Europe. And I thought, <laughs> well oh done, yeah, Peter. I've, I've heard of Bulgaria. I'm even vaguely aware of where it is, but I appreciate the fact that you were writing and you went, wait, wait, wait. They may have no idea that this country exists. So you're writing from <laughs> Bulgaria, and, and here's one of the reasons we're doing your car debates because we're just thrilled that you're listening from there. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Peter, thanks for writing. He is 22. He lives there. I'm curious, actually. I got on Google Maps, and I actually dropped the uh, the little dude on the maps to go down to street level mm. just actually in a, in a car comparison because surprisingly it's a good way to find out what cars are in you know various countries oh you were actually location scouting for cars yes because you look can sit you. there look around and be like oh you've got plenty of Mercedes MLs and you've got plenty of Renaults I haven't thought of and, that before bravo on that you know I just dropped out in the city center by the way you've got some great architecture the National Museum is there that's cool I, I looked at hotels it was very interesting very educational <laughs> it's the, like the you, places we go <laughs> would we look up stuff for this podcast or places we would never go otherwise. Well, it's yeah. like you joke, you know, if you can't afford to take the family on a, you know, a vacation, yes. you get on a video game and you drive the courses that are in, like, Rome. Like, hey, kids, look, it's Rome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's the made-up Rome course. And hey, like, look, the Parthenon. <laughs> hey, we're going all over the country. the National Museum for Italy right there. Hey, look. Okay, we'll come back around in just a minute. My, my lap time is not so great. Let's, hang on, kids. <laughs> After Greece, it's Turkey. It's going to be exactly. awesome. Yeah. We're going to Japan on Saturday. Yeah, it's terrible. On the video game, but, you know, hey. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We're going so. all over the place. Actually, you know what? Side note. <laughs> I, I'm wondering. I'm wondering. We've been asking the audience a lot of questions of late. I'm wondering yeah, yeah. about adding a pilgrimage trip in the spring and going to Spain and Portugal. Hey, we've joked about it before. Well, we've been talking about it longer than we've been, been talking joking about, about it. it we've now. been talking about it for a couple of years. As soon as we start joking about it, then it's actually semi-serious. Yeah, which this is, is true. Funny. This is true. But the th- the reason I'm bringing it up again is because I've had a couple of conversations offline, off the show about it because it, this would be the bring your spouse trip. Right. Now, right. the downside to that is more expensive. It's going to be but more expensive. But it would be the sure. day at the beach, day with the architecture, intermixed with cool tracks. Still with our friends at RSR, they have an event. I was looking today. They have an event that's happening in March. No, no, don't. Oh. So I'm starting to wonder. Even Sheesh. though, look, even though, even though pilgrimage hasn't even happened yet, but I'm still <laughs> thinking about that because, because let's be honest, my wife would like to go. Well, you know, sure, sure. I, hey. You know, we're always thinking about the long-term aspect of all these ideas. We have yeah. plenty of yeah. ideas and, and a, a problem. Yeah. stunningly lack of money to be able to go execute said ideas. <laughs> on those lines, on those <laughs> lines, our crazy cheap cheap car challenge might happen by a GoFundMe because a lot of you guys have said you would be up for that. So oh, we're still kind of talking about that. So we'll which, come back around to that. Uh-oh. There's a 95XJR on Bring a Trailer right now with, uh, I think it's 47,000 miles, somewhere in there. Okay. Ruby red. Okay. It's beautiful. It looks great. It spent its whole life in Texas, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looks great. Plus, there's three 928s. 
What's wrong with me? I'm going backwards. I want nothing's, 928s and a Jaguar XJR from the 90s. Nothing's wrong with you. Wrong. You have the disease, and we are constantly looking at cars. <laughs> and at some point, as you get into lots and lots of new stuff, you also are looking backwards like, what did I miss? What did I miss? <laughs> exactly. Did I miss that one? Well, it's because yeah. they're cheap now. Exactly. You can afford it's them. It's crazy. It's crazy. Sorry, let's get back. Let's get we back digressed. to our friend Peter in Bulgaria, which we, would, by the way, is in Eastern <laughs> Europe. <laughs> exactly. All right, Peter. Used to drive a 92 Renault Clio 5 doors, his first car. He said it started coming apart when he became a more confident driver. <laughs> As it's one of those cars, cars that's good at six tenths, and at eight tenths, it just gives up. Like, yeah. Or are we talking duct tape and wire, and what are we holding the car together with? Well, he's doing the same thing to his current Mercedes-Benz CLK 1999 mm-hmm. cool. coupe. He said the car is a factory supercharged four-cylinder engine. He says it's uninspiring, but it's, you know, occasional spirited drive, which is good. <laughs> He has spared no expense in maintaining it, and while it's very reliable, just wanted you to hear that, no expense in maintaining, and it's reliable. Mm-hmm. German cars. You, yeah. well, everybody hearing that now? Well, but, but the key part of the first part of that is key. He has maintained everything that's needed right. to be done when it's needed to be done. That means it hasn't surprised him beyond the, oh, look, it needs something at this mileage. Correct. Yeah. All right. So it's now starting to show its age. He says suspensions components are mostly worn out. The car corners poorly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good understatement. He's not so, sure well about a suspension upgrade or a rebuild or anything. So he's going to be coming into some money after a few months at a new job. And he's considering the following vehicles. But what's good is, despite not having a budget in mm-hmm. the email here, yeah. he's coming into a new job and coming probably into more money. So we're yeah. estimating. I went we are. actually looking at the, the uh, exchange rates, by the way, the country bulgaria is in the european union so we okay. can you know speak in euros okay it's good. just fine good, all good. right yeah so he's talking about the frog eye the wrx wagon he says mm-hmm. blah bye hawkeye whatever you want to do it he says he's always been a fan of the flat four turbo mm-hmm. mark five volkswagen golf gti but he's worried about dull driving dynamics tires could be a nice solve but the mark five is not known to be one of the better gens i hate it's to not, say it. it's, it's not. just not one of the better gens yeah he's also looking at a ford focus x st the mark ii generation mm-hmm. he says it looks great on paper doesn't know too much about it and then a couple of bmws an e9330i mm-hmm. because he can't afford the 335 maintenance yeah and the bmw Clearly he's e60 looking into it, yeah. the the um 530i yeah and he says these are about the same price as the E90s around that area. He says, though, it's you know a much bigger car. Mm-hmm. However, he wants a bigger car. Did you notice this? He's intrigued by it, for sure. He's up for it. He, the big thing is he does his own maintenance, and he's looking for something that he realizes, I'm coming out of a Mercedes. So, for example, things like a Fiesta ST, the first-gen Fiesta ST, are probably out because sure. he, he wants a little bit better interior than that because he's coming out of a Mercedes. An older Mercedes, sure, but still. So we've got to have some uh, interior considerations here, and uh, he he just he wants to have he wants to have more fun, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, he 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 values handling over comfort. But he is still re- remembering I had that Mercedes, so he's got a, a baseline, if you will. Sure, and he's now used to that Mercedes interior, despite it being a yeah. ninety nine. Yeah, he's for still sure. Used to that next jump mm-hmm. up. Totally. Okay. All right. So he's uh, he's wanting some advice here. He wants to be able to haul four or five people mm-hmm. while maintaining character. He said hot hatchbacks are also up his alley, but he has no experience with too many and not the ones listed for sure. Okay. He's eyeing BMWs. He's eyeing the German cars. And I, I have, I, I think, some tasty considerations for you. 
I started Peter at the 2013 Mercedes A class. Mm, this is the okay. third generation. Sure, sure, sure. We never got it in the states. We didn't. The fun, the fun looking little little yeah. shoe. Yeah. Now I'm not saying A45. Those are probably still out of your price range. You're awesome, estimating yeah. probably twenty thousand euro top. 18? Yeah, that, that seems like that's about where we are. It's hard. It's hard to know for sure, but it seems about where we are. And because you've also said that you kind of have this, I, I get the sense that the budget. Is is expanding because of the new job, so I get the feeling. Just good thing. Like the earlier you buy, the less you'll have, so you might wait six more months and get in, you know, a lot more car. I don't know. Caution of the wind. Then we we'll lease a brand new Mercedes. Or exactly. Something. Yeah. Go I on. Don't know. All right. So I, I liked your suggestions. That three thirty i really was intriguing, and so I went looking for a twenty twelve BMW three thirty i diesel wagon, which are mm, there okay. are plenty okay. and they're cool looking. So okay. I found yeah, one yeah. in black right. for Love a great it. price. I think it was around ten twelve thousand euro and. Okay. There's, you know, of course, the mileage kilometers are, uh, you know, very wildly vary. Sure, of course they do. But yeah. uh, you can find some pretty low mileage even back in 2012. But then I went searching for Seats. Oh, I like it. Because we're sticking with German, because mm-hmm. you had mentioned the GTI and that yeah. Mark V, yeah, yeah. think of Seat as a sort of budget GTI. The alternative, the, the, the cheaper Volkswagen alternative. You're yes. right. That's a good point. And because that had intrigued you, I went looking for the Seat Leon. Sure, yeah. Which we had back in 2017 on our last pilgrimage trip we when we were we in did, Germany. Yeah, yeah. And I really liked that car. Mm-hmm. You had to you know, really wring its neck to, <laughs> to get it to do anything. But, but it, it was turbocharged goodness, yeah. and you could hang out at 220 on the Autobahn. It's yeah, great. By the way, kilometers per hour. Kilometers, but, but, yes. but, but you bring that up. I mean, that essentially was a GTI mm-hmm. for less money. Exactly right. That's exactly That's what it was. That's a great point. I like it. So the third generation, if possible, otherwise it's the 2012 to present, um, which, uh, again, depending on yeah, your budget. Yeah, yeah. But there is the Leon Cupra, which mm-hmm. is the hot flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can find one. And by the way, I went searching on Seat's website. There are no Seat dealers in Bulgaria, sadly. Okay. There are in Romania, just to the north. Oh, there you go. However, there are Seats for sale in Bulgaria. They are there. Mm. And if you do need dealership service, otherwise, you could probably take it to a Volkswagen dealer, I would think. I would imagine so. They so probably aren't going to look at weird components. Out. Yeah, good point. And Romania is okay. not too far away. I don't know where in Bulgaria you're at, but right, hopefully it's not too far of a drive. Plus, you get to you know take a drive. Yeah. But my last choice here for you, Peter, is the first generation or second generation BMW 1 Series Five-door oh. or three-door. Mm, I like this they idea. always yeah. turn yeah, my yeah, yeah. head they're, when they're, we're in Europe. They're one of those forbidden fruit cars. They we really always are. always see we're like, wait, there's one of those. Those are so cool. Totally. Yeah. We, we never got those one series here in the States again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're distinctive because, mm-hmm. you know, actually doing my thing on Google, Google Earth, mm-hmm. looking around at all the cars, I was thinking, I was imagining Peter driving the one series <laughs> you, through. You really dug in on this. I like this. I did. You, you, did, you did the virtual <laughs> car debate on this one. I like it. Was really fun. Like it. Yeah, it was fun. It was really interesting. And so I thought, oh, okay. You know, there's a lot of, you know, white, black, and silver cars and just kind of the, the muddy, you know, sea of non-distinctive cars. Yes, yes. But then what about this one series, especially a three-door standing out? It like can it. take like five it. people in a pinch. Four yeah. is ideal, but yeah. otherwise, you're going to be hooning this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like the it's like a Scirocco meets the first generation BMW shoe. Interesting description. I see how you got there. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a shooting brake, but mm-hmm. it's small, but it's a fun rear wheel drive car. Yeah, I love it. That's kind of what cool. I'm thinking for very you. Cool. But again, like depends that. on your budget, and uh, could be really distinctive, Peter. I like that. I've got I've got one that I want to add to your group because I like the group of where you are as far as finances are concerned. And then I have two new cars that are on the bottom end affordability-wise that I think, okay. depending upon how far you're able to go, that you might be in your – oh, well, 
end of the year I could do that kind of budget okay. versus the right now budget. Okay. So they're, so they're fairly affordable, but they might be just above where you are. But I think they'd both be good considerations. The one I want to add to your list so far, because I, I like that say out a lot, is the Renault Magan. Now, oh, not, good, the, not yeah. the current one. They've got a brand new one that's been out in a year or so. Okay. And I will admit not knowing my Magan Probably that fairly well, expensive at this point. Still. But the prior gen. See how high up you can get in the food chain of those used. I mean, we drove the both the 265 and I think the 270 on the ring. We did, yeah. So the Renault yeah. Magan is a great chassis. It they won really are. All, They're really surprising. It run all sorts of Comparos in all sorts of hot hatchback European magazines. The Magan was always way up there on the list in pretty much any spec. Get the highest spec you can afford. But again, that's last generation Magan sure, at this point. I sure. mean, only a couple of years old, but it's last gen Magan, which means it's going to be cheaper. I think you really should take a look at a Renault Magan. I have two new cars, though. Okay. One is the Hyundai i30N. Oh, that's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 euros, okay? I'm not sure in your specific area. I didn't dig in as far as that's you did. That's a stealth about, little meatball right there. And, that, and it's cool. It's a great little yeah. hot hatch. We're actually going to drive it at the ring this year. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah. the i30N from Hyundai. And then also the brand new version that we don't get, the brand new three-cylinder Fiesta ST. Oh. Also getting rave reviews. Also Good about 20,000 euro. Good one. I forgot about that car. And... Limited slip differential now and improved interior. So the issues with the prior the, the Fiesta ST we do get don't exist anymore, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. can get that car new. But you're right. You know, it been, might be a bit more expensive, totally. brand new. You know, depreciation. Totally. I don't all know those how, things I don't know how far he's able to go, but both of those are really good new options that I think would serve you well for a long time. Plus, you'd get warranty. Plus, you'd get latest tech. I think those are really good candidates if you're willing to make that leap. I'm not sure how far the leap is. If not, I love your suggestions, and I think the Renault Magan's an option. Nice. By the way, Peter, Renault fields an F1 team, and their cars are really good, and you can actually buy the Bell & Ross Renault oh, no. watch, The actually the Formula One sponsorship from Bell & Ross, so that it all ties together there. Suddenly we want watches again. Yeah. <laughs> it all works. No, I like your Ford idea. I mean... That is the car we need in the States. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I cannot believe the decision-making. Well, unfortunately, it probably wouldn't sell very well here, which is yeah. I'm sure somebody ran the numbers and went, doesn't make sense. But that's a tragedy for those of us that love that current gen. The Fiesta Steve we just finished, want the new one. I'm, I'm bummed. I really am. No kidding. Peter, thanks so much for writing. We're jumping to social media questions. Yep. Man, it just continues. You guys are awesome. Yeah, I love <laughs> it's it. It's great. I want to start out with the big one. Okay. The big question. Uh-oh. Of everybody for this round, I think Jeremy Homrich takes the cake on Facebook with all the Turbo 4s and 6s making big oh, power. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Should the long-running phrase, the phrase everybody knows, there's no replacement for displacement, <laughs> should this phrase be retired? Hmm. Is it sailing off into the sunset of hmm. you know electric cars now far surpassing the horsepower output of any really sure 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 it's, yeah. you know a turbo with the yeah. size of your head and it comes from yeah. japan you know yeah, there's no I mean? replacement for voltage where are we headed here yeah <laughs> Ooh. yeah well i think you're right i think this phrase will only apply to drag racers but even drag racers are finding tough times mm. with electric you know the the farm truck and then the electric cars come along then yeah. the turbo yeah, sixes yeah. and then the little you know, golf polo that smokes everybody with 1,200 horsepower and a four-cylinder and <laughs> three turbos or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, boost is boost, mm-hmm. and power is power. I mean, if yeah. you, if yeah, you yeah. win, 
you can't claim, well, you know, still no match for a V8. Well, actually, I just yeah, beat It just you. was. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting point. Interesting point. And yeah, it actually kind of is a sign of the times because V8s naturally aspirated just used to be the deal. Mm-hmm. That was the thing to give you the well, torque and the power. Yes. And now that forced induction has been manipulated so that we have multi-vane turbos and all these kind of things so that you wind sure. up with wall of torque from 1,400 RPMs to somewhere around 5,000 RPM. As a result, wall of torque, that's what you used to like about the big V8s. And now your little four-cylinder, it, it's just ready to be on boost right now. So it is interesting mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. I have torque. This is the big thing. I have torque all the time. That used to be the big thing about big engines. Right. And now right. we've got torque all the time in little stuff. The problem is it dies dies out faster, but all the... That's when the second turbo kicks in. Seriously. But this (laughs) is the reason the Fiesta ST that we talk about so much is so glorious, is because Mm -hmm. where it's really on boost is the place you use it most of the time. So it just feels like it's always got grunt, even though it's more like it's got squeak. It's got a tiny little engine, (laughs) and it still works. All right, so there's no replacement for kilowatts, voltage. Oh, there's no replacement for technology. Well, there you go. That, that doesn't have it's nearly as interesting as catchy, a ring, though. I just don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess we're moving on to turbos. Uh, Kyle wrote in on Facebook. He asked about the upcoming Utah meetup. I'm glad you're coming, man. He said, uh, okay, he's debating his Turo rental for the meetup. <laughs> he said, should he get the uh, the F-Type, Jaguar F-Type, or should he t- spend a little extra and get the Audi R8 manual? Now, I'm wondering mm. if this is the black first-gen Audi oh. R8 manual that Andrew, damn it, Patton, had last year. If so, You're that right. car is pretty. You should actually pay the – what is the extra? How much extra is it? I think you should get the R8 manual. That is a genuinely special car. That first gen with the 4.2-liter and the six-speed shift, the six-speed gated shifter, that was a moment-in-time car of the R8s. That is a fun experience. I think you'd still love the F-Type, but I bet you that the F-Type is an auto. Hmm. And that would be better manual, too. The R8 is a special car. So I think you should go for the R8. I'm just saying. And we'll be excited to see you. And we'll go, yeah, the same car from last year. And Andrew will walk up and tell you what he learned. It'll be great. (laughs) No, I like that. Well, especially if you don't drive a manual currently, Mm. then this is a great opportunity to get in a German car that's Mm mid-engine and manual Mm -hmm. transmission. I'm with you. Although we do like that F-Type. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't go wrong either place. You'd have a great time either way. But yeah. All right, there's a question on Instagram from Forerunner for Life 98 asking okay. a little bit of a different question. Do factory wide body cars mm. like the Ford Raptor? And I suppose we could throw the wide body Hellcat and Charger in the mix now. The entire Dodge lineup. The oh, wide yeah, Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, they're all wide, yeah. aren't they? Does this change in how it performs in the small overlap crash test? If hmm. you don't know what this test is, it's the it's kind of the glancing blow. So the car is going straight in the mm-hmm. NHTSA testing videos. The car is going straight ahead, but it's not. It doesn't fully hit the wall. It just might hit a portion of the headlight. Yeah, imagine so you just hit it with one blow. headlight, like you're trying to, to right. shave off a section of the car. Right. So the car goes. You know, it spins the car one direction depending mm-hmm. on the side you hit. But it's it's common because you know cars can clip each other. Yeah. Now. He's saying that there's only, you know, 25% of the body, so does it being wider actually push the strong frame rails further away, therefore bypassing the strong parts of the car that you need in the small overlap crash? Hmm. Keep in mind, everything has to be still crash tested. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I would think, depending, it's it's hard to say across the board because of the nature of crashes. No two are alike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they're standards, obviously, now with, you know, some sort of benchmark, but... 
I would say that it would lead to even more of a glancing blow if it's, you know, it's just tear your sheet metal off, essentially. Yeah. But those frame rail, I mean, we're not talking it's a foot wider. Yeah. It's a it's, few inches at yeah, exactly. most. Yeah, good point. So I don't know that, that, that it would affect it so dramatically as to suddenly claim that wide-body cars are now unsafe and an overlap small crash. Well, but you also know that the manufacturers are finding out what is the absolute outer edge that I can change this body style and <laughs> yeah. not have to re-crash test it? Right. Somebody has run that run that equation <laughs> well, and figured true. that out for that's sure. That's true because the crash test is expensive and it's a time-consuming process. Everybody hates it. Uh, Jay Doherty, 787, decided to have some crazy money fun and said, uh, if it hasn't been asked yet, he wants to know if either of us were to win the lottery, like tons of money, his, his example is like $500 million, what would be the car we would buy immediately? Hmm, what are you thinking? McLaren 720S. That's a tasty choice. I mean, I think I think I would, because I think that car would just be, I'd be thrilled with it, and then I could go be a connoisseur about other things. I'd, I'd chase down a nice Eagle E-Type. I'd chase down some other oh, things that would sure. take some digging. Sure. But it'd be like the check cleared the bank, and I called McLaren, and I have it by lunch. I mean, I just, we're, <laughs> we're getting this done, okay? I was initially thinking a warehouse. Well, yeah, but he's talking about But he's talking cars, so yeah. I pulled back. And the story around the Koenigsegg Yesco really mm. hit home because if you guys don't know this story, it's actually very personal. The Yesco was named after Christian von Koenigsegg's father. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know, he's 80 now, and I think back in his 60s when Christian was really starting out, mm-hmm. he was he put a second mortgage on the house to get Christian started. Wow. And thought, oh, I'll just help out a few days a week and dabble around with my son's project and ended up working six or seven days a week, working his fingers to the bone to get his son's now world famous hypercar company off the ground, which is now a leader in technology and innovation. And he got this thing off the ground. So he has just as much invested as Christian Mm. does. Mm. And it was just, it was a tear jerking moment. Mm-hmm. At the the Geneva reveal when they revealed mm-hmm. this car, and it was just I, I love the the personal connection. It wasn't just another car, and I named it after my dad. No, there's there's this huge there's deep for it. backstory, yeah, yeah. and it affected him deeply. And it hmm. it was more about hmm. families coming together rather than the car itself. That's cool. And it struck me. Plus, the car is pretty crazy looking, and I love it, and I want it. If you had crazy money, you'd go buy a Yesco. I see where you're going. There All it right. is. All right. Okay. Good. All right. What else you find on here? Uh, Holt Nico says you're coming to a stoplight. And you know you're going to stop. There's not you're not going to go. No chance of going through it. You're going to stop behind traffic. Do we a do what he describes as the limo stop, the soft and gentle with no lurch at the end, or do we do the car and driver <laughs> yeah. sixty to zero test? Honestly, I only save hard braking for driving hard on back roads and the track. I I prefer the slow, steady braking thing in almost every situation, certainly anything that resembles traffic or a normal stoplight, to the point that, honestly, I have the reverse problem. I am a street breaker on the track. I have to constantly remind myself right, to break right. later and harder on the track because on the track, you're supposed to do the exact opposite of what you do in, in the description being done here. You break all that you can, short of traction loss, all that you can immediately and then back off and you do that mm. as late as possible. Mm. That is exactly the opposite of how we normally drive. We, as a collective, normally drive on the road. Plus, if you do the 60 to 0 test at a stoplight, the guy behind you just hits you. <laughs> All right. Uh, and more of a comment from Fraser Haber here. He says he's infected his mother with the disease. She's now snapping pictures of cool cars she spots and sends them to him. 
She sent him a picture of a 57 Thunderbird in the Costco parking lot, and he thought it was hilarious. Who takes their 57 Thunderbird to Costco? I don't know. Does Because that... what are you buying? Well, but hang on, though. 57 Thunderbird actually has a pretty good-sized trunk. I guess it that does. That era just had, like, trunks. I mean, Costco's didn't exist. No, they didn't. In 1957. Or but you come out of Costco, nothing's in a bag anyway. You can just find all the nooks and so. crannies of that massive Grand Canyon trunk. Oh, my, it's probably a good idea. My mother always, she would come home and be like, Paul, I spotted the coolest car. Like, okay, Mom, what what was it? Well, it was white. <laughs> these oh, are okay, by, how, these how, are how many doors? Too. Let's start with doors. I think it was two, or it could have been four. Oh, <laughs> Did you did you see a logo? Did you see a badge? Could you draw it for me? No. I just saw it. And it was white and it was cute. I was like, oh, My parents do this as well. Oh, but what's sad is the, the high percentage of times when we find out what it is, oh, really cool car. Was it a good color? It reminded me of your Lotus. And we find out what it is. It was a Saturn. <laughs> this has happened more That's, than once. Oh, it's happened more than once. I'm just like, I, I don't know if I should be offended or just horrified that your awareness of cars is actually that bad. That's that's quite an insult. More actually. than once, they're like, "Yeah, it was really cute. It was yellow, like your car. Reminded me a lot of your car. What huh. was this? This, this? this? Here's a photo of it, Mom. That's a Saturn." <laughs> and now I'm just offended. Anyway, yeah. Well, there's a question we can't quite answer from Ryan Stamp asking of out of all the vehicles that we have shot for this season, which one would we want for a long term test mm. vehicle? The reason I say that, Ryan, is because we haven't quite actually finished shooting season five. We have one more episode to do. It mm. will be the last yeah. episode yeah, yeah. of the season, and it will be a standalone because of the turnaround times and the craziness that we've yeah. experienced. Yeah. So we will indeed have six full episodes. But this will just be a standalone before it pushes to Amazon Prime a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But so far, I want more time in that Veloster N. I somehow knew you were going to say that. I really did. And that, and that is that thing. Yeah, I would love to have a long, I long track of that it. for sure. Yeah, I want to sure. drive the snot out of that thing. Agreed. Agreed. Actually, you've just stumbled up against something I wanted to mention. What we have done in the last couple of seasons is that we have released our entire season on Amazon at once. We, right, we right, do right. that now because we have realized that Amazon doesn't offer, when you're posting like we do, Amazon doesn't offer the buy season option until you've closed the season out and said there, there will be no more episodes. Mm-hmm. The problem with this season is the last episode, episode six, is running about six weeks behind the rest of the season. So I'm really debating do we – Put out the episodes a few at a time, oh. and then wait on episode six, and you can't buy season for a while. Maybe we do that because that gives you guys the option. If you want to buy them as they drop, great. If you want to wait, oh, sure, you can wait. Sure. But I'm telling you right now, it, we can't offer the buy season option until we get all the episodes out, and we aren't even shooting the last episode of season five for a couple weeks yet, and it is going to play the last week of September. Because that's when it'll be done. It's mm-hmm. crazy. This is a weird thing happening. Mm-hmm. We're actually shooting our first stuff for season six before we even shoot the last of season five. We didn't plan it this way, but it worked out. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Uh, last question for me on here is a quick one from Derek Miller about Peugeot rumored to be coming back to the U.S. What can they learn from Alfa Romeo's recent return to the U.S.? Hmm. Well, it's got to be reliable. Make sure they run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to run. I mean, we Make all sure know the one you give car and driver runs. Make sure the ones you give out that are long-term cars run (laughs) because even if – I'm sorry. Side note again. i got to rant about this again. We've had multiple Alfa Alfa Romeo Julias that have been Turo cars, and we've talked about how much Turo cars can be on. Every one of those owners, we ask them in detail, tell us about the reliability of this car. We typically ask, ask them after the fact, and they're like, no, it just runs. Right, right. But so be sure, if, if you're Peugeot, by the way, this is my bit of advice. The car you give car and driver needs to run wonderfully. Well, yes. Ultimately, Derek, I think it's um, – the French like the quirky 
cars. They like quirky. <laughs> just think, you know, the Citroen Cactus. <laughs> just first of all, the name and mm-hmm. my car is a cactus <laughs> might sell in Arizona, I guess, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but, but you have to ask yourself, if Peugeot is entering the market, what are they offering that you can't go buy right now. Uh, interesting point. Yeah. What is it? Yeah, is it good. is it comfort? Is it space? Mm-hmm. Is it electrification? Is it ease of use? Is it dealer experience? What about that car and that company will pull people into dealerships besides all the nostalgic car nerds that remember when Peugeot was here yeah, and yeah, yeah. we liked my 505 diesel and it clattered around and yeah. it was different. And now it, it was, runs on uh, old fry, fry oil. Yeah. <laughs> like, sobs are too weird and quirky. Those are like mainstream. <laughs> I'm going for Peugeot. <laughs> what about them will be different and offering to the American public and the American it, yeah. North American buyer, will say, okay. that will differentiate them and pull people into the showrooms? Will it be styling? Mm. You mm. you can go so far on styling, yeah. you can, but I I'm just asking. So, mm. guys, thank you so much for your questions. Really appreciate it, and uh, we're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>